We launched Venture Church in 2016, and then January we'll celebrate our six-year anniversary. Uh, Venture Church is a non-denominational church, which just basically means we're not affiliated with any uh, particular religious label. Uh, you can see our doctrinal statement uh, on our website. We put it right out there so you can see what we believe and who we are. In the coming weeks, we're going to begin accepting congregational members at the church. This is the first time we've ever accepted members into the church family. Uh, Venture Church is governed by an executive leadership team that's comprised of pastors, staff, and lay people. Uh, we try to keep things simple and lean so that we're able to focus more on ministry than on administration. Uh, our focus is on community transformation. You won't have to be here long until you realize the fact that we, we aim to do a lot to reach out to our community, uh, to serve them and to love them. Uh, our vision is to spark a movement of God in Southwest Florida. That's what drives us. We want to see God do something significant, and we would love to play some kind of a role in what God is doing in this community. I'm going to be talking about uh, sparking a movement of God next week in the final message in this series, Why Church? So I thought right before we start accepting members into the church, it would be good to do a series on why church? What's the point? Why do we have church anyhow? What difference does it matter uh, if I am a member, if I'm not a member? And uh, so we've been talking about it. In week one, we talked about the value of community and the fact that we need each other. Uh, you may think, well, maybe I don't need anybody right now, but the day will come when you will need somebody. The day will come when you need to lean into your support group, your, your church family, to help walk you through a crisis, to be there for you, to pray for you when you get a diagnosis of something that you never saw coming. Uh, that's when you need your church family, that community to be there with you. We talked about that in week one. Week two, we talked about worship and the fact that uh, we gather together in corporate worship and as busy as our lives are and everything that we have going on, this is the one hour a week when we gather together with the sole purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus, praising God, and hearing from him through his word. Amen? And so this is an important hour each week. The third week we talked about service and the fact that we're to follow the pattern that Jesus established. We're to do what Jesus did. Jesus came to serve others. He, he didn't come uh, you know, to be served. He came to serve others, and he set the example of how we're to serve and love uh, those within the church and those in the community. Last week, we talked about discipleship and the fact that we're to learn in order to do that we, we, we are learners, we're, we're to grow, we're to study, we're to know God's word in order that we can fulfill it, in order that we can actually apply it and actually do what God says, not to be hearers only, but doers of the word of God. And I think that's been a breakdown so many times is we, we do a lot of hearing and not much doing, amen? And uh, we're called to be doers of the word of God. I'll be wrapping up our series next week talking about uh, uh, you know, a movement and I'm also going to be explaining uh, you know, the steps or the process for becoming a member uh, of Venture Church. Today, I, I want us to address what I consider really God's heartbeat for his church. Um, I mean, what does Jesus want his church to do until he returns? Just before Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father uh, for himself, for his disciples, for all believers. And I just want to read this morning to get kicked off his prayer 
and uh, see how it relates to us. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 13. Jesus said this as he prayed, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them, that's his disciples, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, set them apart by the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. Now look at this. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. By the way, that's you and me, right? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we read the prayer of Jesus. Father, to think that Jesus prayed for us some 2,000 years ago is remarkable. Father, that he knew this, this day would come when we would, we would be here and that the torch would be in our, in our control. And, and, and Father, the responsibility would be placed upon those that have accepted the faith and accepted the truth from generation to generation to generation. So God, I pray today that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to the truth that you'd have us to receive today. God, that you would show us what you want us, your church, to do at this time. So Father, just, just speak to us today through your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Jesus commissioned his followers to go out into the world, to carry forth the message that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he is the savior of the world. He's to do, we're to do this so that the lost may put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now some people call this missions. Some people call this evangelism. Regardless of what you call it, you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, are called to carry the message of salvation throughout the entire world. We see this throughout the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how far are we to take this gospel? To the very ends of the earth, right? What did he say we're to do? He said you're to be my witnesses. Well, what's a witness? A witness is somebody who simply tells their story, who says, this is what I saw, this is what I experienced, this is what I heard. So in this context, to be a witness for Christ means you share with the world what God has done in your life. God has not called you to be his spokesman. He's not called you to be a salesman for him. He's called you and me to tell your story of what God has done in your life. We're to be witnesses unto him throughout the world. Nobody can tell your story better than you. I can't tell your story. You can't tell mine. You're to tell your story of what God has done to transform your life. How far are we to go? He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now when he 
said this to them. Of course, they were in Jerusalem. And he's, he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to start in your hometown. I want you to start in your neighborhood. Start where you live. The people that know you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, those that would be in close proximity to you. And then I want you to go to Judea and Samaria, and that would be like uh, the county around you. That would be like go to Greater Collier County, go up to Lee County. You know, go talk to the Samaritans. They're, they're of a different culture. They're in the same geography, but they're of a different culture than you are. Go talk to them. Jesus started this mission when he came to earth. And then he has chosen to entrust it to you and to me in this generation. And I consider that a tremendous responsibility. Jesus started it. It's been handed down for generations. And today, as his church, it's placed within our hands to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He says, I want you to complete the mission you know, you read the news and you see what's going on in the world today and, and it's as if prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes. It sure, it sure seems as if we are quickly approaching the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and what an incredible thing it would be if you and I were the church that was alive on the earth when Jesus returned. That you and I would have the opportunity to carry forth the mission that Jesus began until he actually returns. So I, today I want to, you know... I want to answer the question, how can I help reach the world? How can you help reach the world? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, share the truth with your family and friends. Share with the people that are in your world your sphere of influence. There was a man one time who came to Jesus, and he was sick, and he needed to be healed. And, and, and he asked Jesus to heal him, and, and Jesus healed the man. And, and, and the man was so blown away, he said to Jesus, I want to travel with you. I want to go where you go. I want to be with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang with you. And Jesus said, that's not what I want. I want you to go back home. Pick it up in Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Jesus said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You see, my friends, for most of us, that's what we're called to do. Most of us aren't going to get sent to Africa or some other far-off country. We're to go and tell the people close to us what God has done in our lives. We're to tell our, our family, our friends, our neighbors, any person that we come across their path, our co-workers, we're to tell them what Jesus has done in our life. You see, missions starts right here. Right here. Missions begins here, not in some foreign country. Start in your own backyard. Tell your neighbors. Build relationships with them. Every person that you face, recognize them as someone who may need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. There are plenty of opportunities around if we'll just pay attention you know, statistics say about 90% of people will come to church if somebody would just ask them. Did you know that? Many people would love to come to church. They just don't know where to go, and so they don't. But when you ask somebody that doesn't already have a church home, like 90% of the time, statistically, it says they will actually come and visit church. They're just looking for somebody to invite them. When was the last time you invited somebody to church? Said, hey, I'm going to church. 
Why don't you guys ride with me and we'll grab lunch afterwards? Simple as that. And you just never know. It may change their life. It may change their eternity. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Be ready to give an answer. You, you're, you're different. What is it that's different about you? Be ready to give an answer to that question. Oh, my mom just raised me to be a nice person. No, you just blew it. You had an opportunity to tell them the fact that Jesus Christ was working in your life. And you gave all the credit to mom, you know? <clears throat> Have you ever thought of this? If God's ultimate goal is to get you to heaven, then why doesn't he take you there the moment you get saved? I mean, if that's really what he wants, is he just wants you to get to heaven, the minute you pray to receive Christ, why don't you just, boom, off you go. The answer to that is the fact that he doesn't just want you in heaven. He wants everyone in heaven. Because everyone spends eternity somewhere. Would you say that with me? Everyone spends eternity somewhere. One more time. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. Think about that. Every person you meet is going to spend an eternity somewhere. And I sure hope it's heaven. The reason God doesn't just zap you the moment you get saved and take you to heaven is because he wants you to tell others about the hope that you have within you. He wants you to tell your story, to be a witness of what God has done in your life so that others can believe as well. 1 Peter or 2 Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, which is why he hasn't returned already. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. As long as there is one lost person on this earth, we have a job to do. Amen. It's our job to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you want God's blessing in your life, and if I want God's blessing in my life, then I need to begin to care about the things that God cares about. And God cares about lost people. God really does care about lost people. That's why Jesus came to the earth. It's why he sacrificed himself. It's, it's why God himself died, so that lost people could be redeemed and reconciled with God the Father and spend an eternity with him. So church, it's our job to tell the people who live next door, the people that we work with, the people that we meet and hang around with, those cantankerous relatives. It's our job to tell those people that Jesus Christ died for them. So many times we, we, we make it so much more complicated than it really needs to be. And we think, oh, well, I don't know enough. And so we spend endless time in classes and we take evangelism classes. We get done with the classes and we still don't tell anybody, right? Because we never feel like we're fully equipped to be able to tell the story. You can't tell your story. That's all you're called to do. Tell your story about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. At Venture, we espouse an evangelism strategy that I think is, is the easiest thing in the world. It's called invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in building relationships with lost people and look for the opportunity to invite them to an environment where they'll hear the gospel and have the opportunity to respond. 
That's something you could do, isn't it? It's something I could do. Invest in building relationships with lost people. When I first heard this concept, it was the year 1999 or 2000, and uh, I was at a pastor's conference, and they said, the problem with most pastors is they're never out in the community. They're always in the office. They only hang around with saved people, so they have no interaction with lost people. He says, you need to get out into your community. So I went home and got to thinking about, well, what's something that I could do? I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not a, I'm not a sports guy, you know. Make me run 50 yards, you're going to have to call 911, you know. <laughs> don't put me out there on the field, you know. And I don't know him that well to, to be able to coach. And so I wasn't sure what to do. And then one day, our church caught on fire. Not spiritually like you would want it, physically like, <laughs> like you wouldn't want it. Got a phone call, the fire alarm's going off at church. I'm like, ah, oh, got to go up there again. This thing always goes off. And as I'm driving to the church, I mean, fire truck after fire truck and police cars running down the road, I'm like, huh. I pull in, our entire church was surrounded with fire trucks and, and smoke was billowing out the, there was a, one of the computer monitors in the youth pastor's office. You got to watch the youth pastor, just saying, <clears throat> no telling what they do. And uh, anyhow, he left his monitor on, it overheated, caught the curtains on fire and lit the whole church on fire. Uh, uh, thankfully, uh, uh, <laughs> I got to tell it now, don't I? <laughs> Rats. <laughs> there was a man living in the parking lot in a van. Remember that old <laughs> thing, you living in a van down by the river? We had a guy living in a van out in the parking lot, and uh, <clears throat> he woke up and heard some popping and jumped out, and he put the fire out with a garden hose, believe it or not, and uh, the fire department was, couldn't believe it, but... Uh, Anyhow, at the end, they, they, they came to me and they said, you know, we hardly have any firefighters to run in the daytime. Everybody goes to work and, you know, would you guys consider uh, any of you being a firefighter? So me and the worship leader uh, decided to join the fire department. One of the best things I ever did. Had a wonderful time as a volunteer firefighter. And uh, I built so many great relationships and had so many opportunities, not only to invest in the people in the fire department, but the people that we encountered every day, because often we encountered people at the most challenging or difficult or painful point in their life. I can't tell you the number of people that I prayed with and, and encouraged in that situation. <clears throat> What's the point? The point is, look for a way, look for a way that you can get involved, so that you can invest in the lives of lost people, and then at some point transition that to inviting them either to church or to some kind of an event where they can hear the gospel, or one day you never know, you may be having coffee or dinner and the conversation may just turn to uh, church or, or faith and you may be able to tell your story and it may be just what's needed to change their lives. I mentioned it a moment ago, but there will be no <laughs> easier way to, to invite somebody to something than the Venture Christmas celebration. Uh, who doesn't love a, a good Christmas event? And this one is going to be off the charts, incredible this year. Great way to invite lost people. So share the truth with family and friends. Number two, dare to take a risk. Dare to take a risk. Being obedient to God's commission is going to involve some risk. It certainly involves some risk. For the disciples, you know, the majority of them were killed for their faith. They were martyred. Uh, they, they went through some difficulties and, and pain all along the way in their journey. 
Whenever you walk by faith, it does require risk. It takes faith. When we were considering six years ago what to call Venture Church, we, we all made a big long list of names and we put them all together and we tried every combination known to man and, and things like this. And the word venture just kept rising to the top because of what it means. The word venture means a risky or daring journey or undertaking. And I loved that. I love that part because, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without some element of risk, it's impossible to please God. Venture is the root of adventure. And, it, and it's this idea that we're going to go someplace, we're going to attempt things, we're going to do things that's going to require risk and faith. And there's a possibility for failure, but there's also a possibility for success. And so we called it Venture Church, and, and here we are today. For each one of us in this room, God may call you to do something that requires you to take a step of faith. Some of you may get called into ministry. Some of you may get called to missions. Some of you may be called to share your testimony, your story. I don't know what it's going to be. Some of you may get rejected because of your beliefs and the things that you won't do or the things that you won't say or the things that you won't embrace. And Jesus already prepared for this. And he said, listen, they hated me and they're going to hate you. And it's becoming a much more hostile environment to be a Christian in the United States. Much more hostile. I saw, I saw an interview this week with a couple very well-known pastors that said, we've gone beyond being a Christian nation and a post-Christian nation. We are now a pagan nation. We, we are in a hostile environment that doesn't like Jesus Christ and what he stands for and his word. And you know what? That's the environment that you and I are in today, and it's our job, our responsibility, to take the gospel to the least and to the lost, whatever the cost. So begin praying and asking God what he would have you do, how he would have you get involved in his work, how you're to be obedient to the call that God has in your life. In Acts chapter 16, I want you to see how Paul responded when he was feeling God speak to him. Acts 16 verse 6 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the board of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I don't have time to unpack this entire passage, but it's just really uh, loaded with powerful content. We see here, first of all, that Paul was able to recognize a closed door. And you know, God does close certain doors in our lives. And uh, sometimes we just recognize the fact that God is using a closed door to redirect us to a new location. He didn't question God. He didn't, he didn't throw a big fit about it. He just moved on. Uh, I, I love the fact that, 
that when God spoke to Paul, Paul was already moving. He wasn't sitting and waiting for God to speak to him. He took steps of faith. He was already in motion, and God just redirected him. I love the fact that Paul was able to discern the voice of God. Paul was able to recognize when the Spirit of God was speaking to him and, and changing his direction. And I love the fact that Paul immediately obeyed. He didn't have to call a council. He didn't have to take a vote. He didn't have to consider 14 other things. He just said, okay, Lord, that's what we'll do. And Paul dared to take a risk. He simply heard God's voice and he obeyed. Has there ever been a time when you heard God speak to you, but you have not yet obeyed? Can I ask you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Follow God. Do what he calls you to do. Hear from God. Step out in faith and trust him to provide all the resources. Ask yourself, do you have, do you have the faith to step out and go? Do you, have the, do you have the faith to step up and give? Maybe some of you say, well, I can't go to the mission field, but the Lord's given you enough resources that you can help others get to the mission field or stay in the mission field. I believe that you and I are here for a reason. I believe that Venture Churches was started for a reason. I really do. We're on a mission. Missions is part of the DNA of Venture Church. We have, we have a thing we call the Venture Values, and one of those is a passion for sharing. And a passion for sharing takes us outside the walls of our church. Because believing in missions, it's really at the center of God's heart. We believe that that is what God wants us to do. So we encourage our members to give generously and when, when possible to get involved. To get involved. We're preparing to launch the new Venture Cares mobile market. And I believe this is going to be single-handedly the biggest outreach event or opportunity in our church. I believe that we will minister to thousands of people on a regular basis. It's going to require hundreds of volunteers to do this. And every time I even mention this, many people sign up, and we appreciate for that. And don't think we're ignoring you. If you haven't heard from us, we're adding your name to a list. It's just it hasn't started yet. We're waiting on the trailer, and we're waiting on the, the, uh, the, the hub, the, the, the industrial building that we're leasing to be completed. And uh, once those things are done... Uh, then we will we'll get everybody involved as much as we possibly can. But it's just a part of what God has called us to do. In the last eight weeks, it has just been incredible to see so many people in our church step into the unknown. Uh, we honestly didn't even know what we were getting ourselves into. We just showed up in neighborhoods and said, we're here to help, what can we do? And God took over from there. Uh, and it has been truly remarkable. This Thursday, we'll be delivering over 500 sheets of drywall to numerous homes in the River Park community uh, here uh, in East Naples. So if you've got some time uh, on Thursday that you'd be available to come and help uh, load drywall and take it to different homes and, and, and put it in, uh, just email michelle at venturenaples.com, michelle at venturenaples.com. Let her know that you're available on Thursday. She'll send you the details. <clears throat> in, in, I want you to see that God, God has promised to take care of his people when they follow him. I want you to listen to how Jesus responded to Peter in Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Peter said to him, 
Lord, we've left everything to follow you. I mean, they were willing to give up his business. He was willing to just walk away from it all. He said, I, we have given up everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children, and fields, and with them, persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. God says, listen, when you give up anything to serve the people, the poor, the hurting, the lonely, the abused, the unloved people, when you share with them the love of Christ, when you share with them the good news, when you sacrifice, and when you you give to the place where it hurts. Jesus said it does not go unnoticed. You will be rewarded in heaven and on earth. My friends, we're all called to be a part of the mission of the church. So share the truth with your family and friends. Dare to take a risk for God, and I'll wrap up with this. You need to care for the whole world. You need to care about the whole world. It's so easy for us to get tunnel vision, for us to look at our life and our family or just our context. But the reality is we're to care about everyone, not just ourselves, everyone. We need to develop a heart of compassion for all of the lost people in the world. I'm all for saving the rainforest and polar bears and yellow-bellied sapsuckers and all these things. You know, I'm perfectly fine with saving all of those, but I can tell you I'm more interested in saving every man, woman, and child with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus sent us everywhere, into all the world, because Jesus cared about everybody, and so should we. Now, when Jesus told this to his disciples, the reality is it was physically impossible for them to do that. They didn't have what we have. I mean, they, they, they could walk, they could ride a donkey, they could maybe ride a camel, but, but their ability to get around the world wasn't anything like our ability today. We have planes, we have trains, we have automobiles, we have the internet, we have devices in our pocket where I can pick up the phone and I can, through FaceTime, be talking to somebody in Europe and have a whole conversation. We now have the opportunity to speak to anyone around the world, but now that we have the ability, we've lost the desire. And that's tragic. We need to start caring about the whole world. We need to reprioritize our lives so that missions becomes a thrust, not just in the church, but in our own individual lives, that we're a part of what God is doing because the church isn't a building, it isn't a facility, it isn't a rented space. The church is you and me. It's, it's a body, it's, it's people. Jesus established the local church. The local church is the tool that Jesus Christ uses to bring worldwide transformation. 
Jesus established the church, and we're to establish more and more churches. And I believe that the best way to change the world is by planting evangelistic churches in every town and village in this planet. We spread the gospel, and we disciple believers. I think it's important that we work together with other people, with other churches, with other organizations to get the job done, because the, the sand in the hourglass is running out. And the time is getting short, and so we have a lot to do. I'll tell you what I think is if, if somebody to say, what's the most unique thing about Venture Church? I would say the most unique thing about Venture Church is our missions program. We call our missions program Leadership Outreach. Actually, Leadership Outreach is an organization I started back in 2013. And it was out of leadership outreach that Venture was born. And then after a period of time, a leadership outreach came under the umbrella of Venture Church and became the missions arm of Venture Church. Leadership uh, outreach, our mission is to train pastors, multiply ministry leaders, and promote church planning as a means of community transformation. That's what we do. We establish leadership outreach training centers throughout the world. So many pastors, 80% of pastors outside of the United States have zero theological training. They have zero theological education. We take that training to them. We, we take the books, we take the curriculum, we train the leaders, we establish the training centers, we coach, we empower, we release them. Today we have over 800 students. Today, currently, right now, Leadership Outreach has over 800 students currently, currently being trained in our training centers in, in at least 12 countries, and that may have changed in the last week or two, I'm not sure. But right now, we have training centers in Brazil, in the Dominican Republic, in Ecuador, Colombia, Nicaragua, Mexico, Peru, El Salvador, Cape Verde, Africa, which Fernando was there last week, Portugal, Ghana, and the United States, fully funded by Venture Church. We buy all the books for all the students. The whole catalog of books, we buy them all, we ship them to them. It'll probably cost us $80,000 in books alone just this year, just to get the paper materials into the hands of our students. Venture's commitment to leadership outreach this year alone is, is above $300,000. And it's what we do. When you give to Venture Church, you have a part in that. We don't talk much about giving. There's a little box in the back. We encourage people to give in the box or we encourage people to give online or through the, web, the app or the website. But every time, every time you make a contribution to Venture Church, part of that money is going to train pastors around the world, church leaders. I want you to listen to what the scripture says in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever dares to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now Jesus asks a really profound question that each one of us has to answer at some point. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be ashamed when Jesus comes back because I was unwilling to do what he equipped me, what he entrusted to me to do. And I would hope that you would be in the same boat. I would hope that it wouldn't be about seeing how much you can accumulate for your own self, but rather that we would, we would say, God, just use me to do whatever you want me to do. You know, when confronted with the opportunity to go or to give or to be a part of missions, you have four possible responses. You can be like Moses and say, who, me? I mean, I can't do it. I mean, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. I don't know enough to say. I can't go talk to Pharaoh. I can't do that. Who, me? Or you can be like Jonah and just say, not me. I don't like those people and I'm not going. <laughs> At least he was honest, right? That's what he said. Not me. I don't like those people. Or you could be like Habakkuk and say, why me? Why me? But you know, I'd rather you be like Isaiah. Isaiah said, send me. Send me. I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do it. Listen, there's no greater thrill than to pray the prayer, God, use me. And then for God to tap you on the shoulder and say, I've got an assignment for you. There's something I want you to do. There's some place I want you to go. There's some way that I want you to be involved. And then you say yes, and you get involved. My friends, church is not a spectator sport. This isn't theater. You know, this isn't something that you come to because it's kind of neat and unique and fun. We have a job to do. We have a mission and it's big and it's exciting and it takes risk and it takes faith and you and I get to be a part of what God is doing. So my challenge to you today is to pray a three-word prayer and then listen for God to answer it this week. Just pray it every day this week. God, use me. That's it. Just say, God, use me. And then listen. Too often our prayers are all about us yapping and not listening. Pray the prayer and stop. Sit there for 15 minutes in silence and see what happens as God begins to put a thought in your mind. People say, how do you hear God speak to you? Well, I think God speaks to others, everybody differently, but the way he speaks to me usually comes in the form of an idea. And it's usually an idea that I just can't shake, that I can't just dismiss. And it's usually an idea that I wouldn't normally do. So you may pray that prayer, God use me, God use me, God use me, and God may say, do this. And then it's going to be up to you to say yes or okay or I'll obey or I'll do it. I'll go, I'll give, whatever it is. My prayer this week is that you'll have the faith to join the adventure of living for God on the greatest mission that's ever been known to man. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the fact that you would even use us is unbelievable. 
God, that you would choose to entrust to us something so important as the message of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that your hand of blessing would be upon Venture Church. I pray that you would help us to reach every man, woman, and child in this geography of the gospel. I pray that you would spark a movement in this community, and God, that you would use us. God, that you would use the, the different ministries that we have that we believe you've led us to, to begin. God, that we might reach out through the mobile market, that we might reach out through the Christmas celebration, that we may reach out to our community as we hang drywall and as we muck out homes. And, and Father, that you would use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would invest in building these relationships, and God, that you would create the opportunity for us to share the gospel with them. So God, I pray for each man and woman in this room today that they would have the courage to pray that simple prayer, God, use me. And God, may you use us to do something incredible because we believe you will. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen.